college can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. There we go. Welcome in. Welcome in. It is May 31st, the last day of May. Happy Muse Day to you guys. Hopefully everybody had a very good Memorial Day weekend. And uh, it's time for a little episode of Building the Broncos. I'm Nick Kendall and joined by, as always, co-host, good friend on these Tuesday night shows, Carl Dummler. Carl, we're just reminiscing a little bit about uh, how we met, you know, the... uh, the St. Louis Cardinals and our now Hawkeye fandom shared, right? Yeah. I wore you down eventually. <laughs> um, but uh, how you doing, man? How was your Memorial Day weekend? I was good. Went to uh, go visit my wife's family, stayed at a water park. Mm. So that was pretty cool. Kids love that. Although as an adult, like the kids going down water slides, it's fine. When you're a lot bigger, those water slides become a missile and you hit the bottom like a like a bomb going off and your whole body yeah. turns black and blue. Yeah. And uh, I think I'm pretty sure my legs went flying out the side at one point when I hit the bottom, it, it was a whole mess, but, uh, but kids had a great time. So we had a good time. Uh, and uh, I, yeah, it was good. What about you, bud? I was supposed to go backpacking this weekend, but mother nature gave me the, uh, the <laughs> finger. Um, so uh, not just me, uh, but uh, it was Weird. a bunch of first time new backpackers as well. And it was supposed to be like re- constantly, we're going to be out for three days constantly rain cloud it was going to be about you know, 38 degrees at night and 45 high and uh apparently snowed in the valley too so we said yeah you know what screw that uh, we got an airbnb out in the peninsula I drove around did some things out there so we made the most of it but a little bit of a bummer because i've been looking forward to that trip for a bit but uh mother nature you know has other other plans and maybe it'll be a good thing long term i know that i shouldn't complain too much about the la nina because it maybe means less uh wildfire smoke and whatnot in the summer but God, we've had uh, before today, we had five hours of 70 degree plus temperatures in Seattle in the month of May, which is like the lowest in 50 years or something crazy. So yeah. uh, getting by. It's beautiful today. I'm going to ex- uh, appreciate that, even though I can't be outside because hanging out with you guys. But I'd rather do that anyway. So yeah. it is what it is. I, I always think of Chris Farley when he's doing like a weather report and he's talking about La Nina and he's like, it means the Nina. Yes. Yeah, that's that's what I always think of when you when you talk about that. But uh, yeah, sorry, your trip got canceled. You would be proud of us. We bought an eight person tent this weekend. Wow. So we can get the kids out by the lake and get some hiking in and get some good times going. For sure. Don't carry that one for backpacking. No. I would not recommend that would be a, <laughs> that'd be a hard one. But uh, we, yeah, welcome in, guys. Obviously, Bill and the Broncos. You can find Carl and I on Twitter. Carl is at Carl Dumbler MHH. I'm at Nick Kendall MHH. Also follow us at BTB Football Pod and at Mile High Huddle. If you haven't done so yet, check out the gear store, huddleuppod.com and follow us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle Pod and facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle. Please subscribe, like, and share if you're joining us on YouTube. And also, we had an Apple. Uh, 
iTunes review come in recently with a five-star review. So we appreciate that as well. If you guys haven't done that yet, head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating. Uh, so let's say hello to some people in the chat here. We got the chat starting to warm up here. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you guys click the thumbs up like button. We got Jay Valentine coming in saying, uh, random question, who was favored in Super Bowl 48 and 50? I uh, Producer might be on it, but I'm just so going to go gut. I'm actually on this one. Okay. Super Bowl 48, Broncos were favored by two and a half points. Super Bowl 50, the Panthers were favored by five and a half points when the game started. So yep. Broncos won when they were underdog, lost when they were the favorite. Yeah, that's uh, good for them. I mean, that Panthers team was really good in 2015, and uh, ball bounced the right way for Denver. They deserved it. They made the play happen, but uh, they also got that strip sack for a touchdown very early, and only a fool would say that didn't have a great, uh, didn't greatly dictate uh, how the rest of the game played out. So uh, yep. hats off, man. You got to win small ball sometimes, and Denver did that consistently in that Super Bowl run in 2015. So good for them. Uh, we got Cindy Barrett Elbert coming in with the support over on Facebook. Thank you so much. Uh, make sure you guys are getting in your stars on Facebook. We have a bit to go yet to reach our goal this month, but uh, Cindy's helping us chip away here. And uh, we greatly appreciate that, Cindy. If you have any questions or anything for us, please hit us up. And hopefully you had a nice, relaxing and uh, eventful or not eventful Memorial Day weekend. But either way, hopefully it was what you wanted it to be. Uh, also, we got Michael coming in. Michael made the transition recently from Facebook to YouTube. So I see you over on Ooh. YouTube there, Michael, saying a good evening, Nick and Carl on Bron uh, building the Broncos. Let's ride and go Broncos. Also says a good evening, Broncos country. Uh, U.S. Dave is in the house, too, saying it's time to get things started on the Muppet Show tonight. OK, uh, absolutely. It makes me think of uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, have, you, have you seen that one? He's uh -huh. like, he's like really drunk. Jason Siegel. And he's like, just cry playing uh, the Muppets theme song. So uh, that's what that's where my head goes. Um, stupid lining. Yeah. Uh, Kevin coming in. I have a good feeling about this team this year. Go Broncos. We'll get into OTAs today, but, uh, you should have a good feeling about it. Um, us Dave also saying we are the same team last year, except one or two. Uh, it's a big difference for sure. Um, and, uh, Michael coming in and saying nickel start MHI underscore pod with Luke on Wednesday night. It's their new slot for the mile high huddle podcast. Yep. Mile high insiders Wednesday night starting tomorrow. So make sure you tune in then, but enjoy us right now, uh, for Broncos, uh, Building the Broncos. Uh, Jeff Noyce coming in saying, hello, Broncos country. Good to see you. Um, also saying, need an editor for this. Report, criminal charges against Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy dropped by Arapahoe County DA. Is uh, Judy a charger? Chargers. Okay, I see what's going on there. Um, yep. No, I mean, <laughs> who knows? But uh, we love you, Clee. Uh, coming in, EJ saying, good evening, Nick and Carl on Broncos, um, Broncos country. Jeff Noyce in the house again. Hi, Michael and Dave. Greg Smith. Great, uh, good evening, folks. And, uh, oh. Looks like Scott already got the stuff from Clee, so uh, that's good. Um, say this one. I can't. What's the first name there? Absalom. Absalom. That's an awesome name. Uh, and speaking of awesome, he says you guys are always awesome. Well, Absalom, hopefully I got your name right because that would be awesome if you uh, get my name right, then I should get yours. Uh, Roy Osborne also coming in saying good evening, Nick and Carl and Scott. What do you guys think of the Jerry Judy news? So this is a good uh, conversation point. And thank you, Roy, for putting us putting it on a tee for us. Uh, Jerry Judy came in today, uh, found out the news that there's going to be no charges. Everything's dropped and, uh, everything sounds like it's going to be going forward. Smooth sailing. Obviously it's still a, um, a demerit, I guess on Jerry Judy's resume, uh, going back. And this is something the Broncos will use as information going forward to monitor. But as far as criminal charges and the like, everything's going to be dropped. Uh, the real question now is, will the league office do anything about it? I highly doubt it. Yeah. Usually for your first offense, especially when there's actually no charges against you, they kind of say, okay, you did something stupid, slap on the wrist, don't do it again. Second time, that's when they start handing out some suspensions and 
fines and all those kind of things. Third time, we're getting even further into it. So I think for a first time, and like like we've said before on this, it, it kind of sounds like one Colorado has some very strict rules when it comes to anything with with DV. Um, I'm not saying that excuses what he did or anything like that. I'm just saying they, they kind of they arrest first and then ask questions a little bit later on some things. And um, and so with charges being dropped, I just feel like good chance he's going to be okay. Yeah, and uh, we had information come out today from uh, his attorney, Harvey Steinberg, said, after reviewing the evidence, I always believed that no crime had been committed and all charges would be dismissed. So here we are, all charges being dismissed. Uh, very good uh, for the Broncos, very good for Jerry Judy. Um, so uh, what, and it sounds like Jerry Judy also was practicing today last week. He was there, but he was held out because of tweaking his back, which something to monitor going forward. Um, those back injuries are always concerning, but uh Jerry Judy's out there today. Haven't heard us anything as far as splash plays uh, from Jerry Judy. Actually, it's a little bit surprising. I guess today was his first day, so your sample size is pretty darn small. But yeah. heard heard about KJ Hamler today. Heard about Tim Patrick. Have heard about Cortland Sutton. Not too much about Jerry Judy yet, but again, just OTAs. So uh, do you have any thoughts about this? We won't call it a case anymore, but this incident that occurred, is this going to impact Jerry Judy this season going forward as far as a role or anything like that? Do you have any belief in that? I don't. I think honestly, this could serve the Broncos well. Okay. I, I think these kind of like scare moments for a person, uh, you know, that first time I remember first time getting pulled over, man, you, you remember that. And so then you're like pretty hyper vigilant of everything you're doing after that for a while. And you kind of maybe flow back into things a little bit later, but something like this, I think it is that reminder of, man, you can lose millions. You can lose your career. You can lose your reputation just real quick on just some things that, and I mean, not that they were small. I mean, this is this is still a big yeah. deal. What's going on for him? But I, I hope it is that wake up call that helps him to mature and make him go. Okay, I got to go out there and earn this. I got to earn back the trust of the fans. It's no longer I'm that top fifteen pick that everybody's going. Oh yeah, this guy's going to be a star. Now there's a lot of people kind of annoyed with him. You know, you throw in the drops, you throw in some of the other things that have gone on. You start to kind of go, okay, it's time to put up or shut up. And, and so, like I said, I think this could actually be a good thing for him moving forward. If he can just kind of focus on his career and say, okay, I got to move forward in a good way. Yeah. And to be fair, you know, we don't know all the details. We don't know their relationship, uh, him and his partner. So it's, uh, it's going to be impossible to, you know, have a very clear view on what happened, but it's just another thing with Judy as far. And it's not big things, but small things that kind of start to add up. So like you mentioned, hopefully this is something that's like, okay, Stakes have risen now in Denver. I have competition. My spot is not guaranteed. And uh, now I have a quarterback here. There's no more excuses. I need to go out there and perform, or I'm just going to be a, not a forgotten name, but somebody who'd never lived up to the hype as much uh, of what he had coming out with the 15th overall pick coming from Alabama, breaking that uh, John Elway non-drafting Alabama players uh, (laughs) streak that was going on there. So we'll see what happens. Hoping for the best for Jerry Judy. You know, he's a person and people are going to make mistakes. Lord knows if I was, as wealthy as Jerry Judy was at his age and uh, famous and whatnot, I'd be making stupid mistakes too. I still make plenty of stupid mistakes. So I'm, I'm happy that I'm not in the public public eye, but um, that's kind of the, the deal you make when you are in this industry, uh, you are always going to be in the public eye. So hoping that, uh, hopefully this is the end of any sort of incidences like this. And it's all uphill and amazing Bronco football from Jerry Judy going forward, because Lord knows he is talented. 
Uh, Gary Leeds Palmer coming in saying, hey, Nick and Carl and Scott, just a little love. Well, Gary, just a little love back at you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully you're doing well. Also, big love coming in here. $20 on YouTube from our guy, Michael Ronquillo, coming in saying, we are Broncos country and the best fans in the NFL. Go Broncos. Well, Michael, you're one of the best fans, and we appreciate you always coming in and supporting us. I hope you also had a good uh, Memorial Day weekend, and um, always appreciate you joining us. So if you have any questions, Michael, get at us. Benjamin Flores coming in here saying, que pasa, mi amigos? I think I nailed it. Um, He also says, go Broncos here. Good to see. Um, And we had, oh, it just jumped on me. Sorry about that. Uh, Amar McLean coming in saying, uh, have you guys heard about Patrick Sertan's interception in OTAs today? Carl, uh, what can you tell us about Patrick Sertan? Uh, kind of getting practice started today with a bang. Yeah. So it was, sounds like it was the very first play of practice and something happened on the offense. There was some confusion. Somebody ran a wrong route or something like that, but Patrick Satan was right there, saw what was developing and jumped the play. Big interception. First one of, I think Russell Wilson's OTA throw so far this year, from what I understand. And uh, so just kind of got the, the defense fired up. I think they got, they heard all about this offense last week. Everybody was talking about all oh, the touchdowns that are being thrown all over the place. Kind of nice to hear the defense respond a little bit and be ready for some big plays and especially have their biggest player on defense possibly and Patrick Sertan be the guy that steps up. Yep. And uh, Kareem Jackson talked about him today in his interview. They're asked, what's the difference between Patrick, Patrick Sertan this year compared to last year? He said, well, last year he just was, he's just moving so fast all the time. This year, the game's really slowed down for him. He can kind of just, he knows what's developing. He doesn't have to be there as fast, but he can he can move fast when he needs to move fast. And so just kind of, it's going to be amazing to see his transition from year one to year two. Can he take that next step? Because it, it was a great first year for, for a rookie. I mean, one amazing. of the better rookie years for, for a cornerback in a long time. The best one, the best one since Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, we see what Jeff Akuda did, CJ Henderson, a lot of these early first round picks, and we'll see what Sauce Gardner and uh, gosh, who's na- his name, Derek Stingley do this year. But uh, Patrick Sertan was incredible last year. And I don't think we should over, I don't think we can overstate that. Yeah. So if he can take another step and be even better, I mean, we're, we're talking a guy that should be an all pro conversation if that's the case, if he takes another step. You know, he, he was right there at Pro Bowl level last year. Yeah. And for the Broncos, that that would be huge. Again, when you can eliminate one side of the field just by one cornerback, it, it just makes defense so much easier. You can bring more blitzes. You can you can really have your safeties moving over to the other side of the field because yeah. you can say this guy's going to shut this guy down. And uh, it's just nice to hear. We haven't had that really since Champ Bailey. I guess Akeem Talib. I guess you could say that. Talib was kind of a man. Champ, yeah. Champ is arguably the, one of the top three cornerbacks to ever play the game. Right. You know, like that's maybe that's me being biased. Top five. Um, but first ballot hall, first ballot hall of fame. Yeah. Is different, and we love Talib, but uh, that's not. It's not like Champ. Right. Talib took a lot more chances. Champ was just always every single play. He knew exactly what was happening, and he was right there to to make the play. Uh, I mean, there was just pretty much entire seasons where teams wouldn't even challenge him. Like maybe one throw a game, if that sometimes, um, or Tlaib, yeah, he would kind of try to set things up to to make a bigger play. So just a little bit two different players, but but yeah, Patrick Sertan, if he can become that next, not Champ Bailey, because I mean it's hard to be the next Champ I mean, Bailey. But as good as he was his rookie year, I would not rule it out. It's unfair to say that as a rookie coming yeah. out, but how good he was last year, I'm not going to put a a ceiling on what he can be. But right. but to say that the expectation of he has to be Champ Bailey or he is Champ Bailey is ridiculous. But I'm not going right. to put it out there that he can't be. 
Right. But again, if he can just even be a top five cornerback in the NFL this next year, that would be huge for this defense. It would help them answer other questions because, again, they can have help go in other ways. And uh, so, yeah, I'm excited about him. Excited that he got that interception today. And it's going to be fun to see the battle between this offense and defense when we get to training camp. But we got yeah. Chris Funkhauser coming in saying, good evening, fellas. I'm hoping for an upset in Kansas City this year as I lost a bet with my born and bred Chiefs fan, whom I call my wife. Mm. <laughs> Will Carl be attending? Maybe we can laugh together as Wilson beats up on Mahomes. <clears throat> I don't know yet. I'll, I'll I'll keep you updated. I'm planning on going to at least one or two Broncos games this year. I have to work around my work schedule because I do work on Sundays. And it's a little bit tougher for me to get to some games. So usually it either has to be a Sunday night game, Monday night game, or a Thursday night game for me to make it. And I'm sure those games will be prime time. I, I can't remember in Kansas City. Is that a prime time game? I do not know. I can't remember the schedule right now. But if it is, Chris, I will try to make that game. And yes, hopefully we can be laughing. The last time I went to a Broncos Chiefs game in Arrowhead, Broncos crushed the Chiefs. That was actually the uh, Josh McDaniels game where I can't remember. Was it Pioli or who was the the coach for Pioli was the general manager. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember who the the coach was then, but he was it Todd Haley. Yes. Yes. And he refused to shake McDaniels hand. Yes. And like everybody was just going crazy on that one. But uh, that was the last Broncos Chiefs game in Kansas City that I went to. Yeah, that was kind of a a unstoppable D-bag, you know, comes across in immovable jerk you know, like that's <laughs> Haley versus mcdaniels are not a big fan uh, but chris Funkhauser, thank you so much for uh joining us today hope you had a good weekend there and uh if you're at the kc game hopefully you enjoy it uh i've been to kansas city chiefs games three times denver twice denver's lost both times but uh is what it is so hopefully carl can bring some of that good juju and uh broncos can break that streak uh real quick i wanted to get back to amar real quick uh, what else did you hear about ps2's interception the defense went absolutely insane, guys. The defense went bonkers after it was a pick six. Uh, Patrick Stan made a hell of a play on it. And then uh, the defense, you know, it's not the boring kind of, you know, do your job, curmudgeon-y defense that was under Vic Fangio there. They they were celebrating. They were having a blast. Uh, so a lot of energy, a lot of fun, um, a lot of guys bought into that defense. So there's some competitiveness there between the defense and the offense. And I yeah. love it. Did you hear who they were chir- chirping at, though? No. The head coach, Hackett. That's who they went after. Because he's been chirping at them quite a bit. I guess him and Kareem are having quite the battles. But we got Naj coming in here with a 1999 Super Chat. Appreciate that, Naj. Saying, hey, brothers, how do you feel about the tight end position? Do you see Albert O developing into an upper-tier offensive weapon? Ah, man. Is Albert Okoibanam going to be a tight end is my question. What What is Alan Lazard? Uh, how, I don't know how much Packers football you watched, Naja. And also, thank you so much for the 1999 Super. It means a heck of a lot. We appreciate you. Um, but I think he's going to be more of a big slot option than a tight end. Uh, I think, ideal, best case scenario, he develops into a Mike Gusecki, who is essentially a glorified wide receiver and a tight end body. You know, he's t- not a very good blocker, but a good down-the-field kind of guy. You could see that with Albert Okoibanam, but... As far as a uh, developing into an upper tier offensive weapon, doesn't sound like there's a lot of buy-in in Dove Valley right now with him, and it doesn't seem like they are chomping at to get him out there. So it sounds like it's, how do I feel about the tight end position? I'm not worried about it because I don't think it's that important in the offense. I'm fine with Dulcich there. I'm fine with the guys that they have. I'm excited about Tomlinson. 
I'm uh, really excited to see one of the best blocking tight ends in football uh, for the Broncos this year and Eric Tomlinson. But uh, I, I don't know. Well, uh, what do you think about this, Carl? Do you see Albert Okwebenam developing into an upper tier offensive weapon? So I've, I've always been big on your actions speak louder than your words. And the Bronco, Broncos, I feel like they spoke about how they feel about Albert O yeah. when they drafted Dulcich. You know, when you use one your second pick that you have in this last draft, I think they were kind of saying, we don't really think he's our future tight end. Yeah. Now he can still be productive. And I think he, I think he's actually a pretty decent tight end as a receiver. I think he could be one of those guys because of his size, his ability to really, you know, straight line speed, get down the field to high jump a ball. Cause he used to play basketball. Uh, I think he can be one of those guys in the red zone that can get you lots of touchdowns. It wouldn't surprise me if he had eight touchdowns this season, maybe only has like 25 catches, but he has eight touchdowns in those 25 catches. I could see that. Uh, and, and so I think he is still a weapon. I, I just don't think he's going to be even the the top four primary weapons in this offense. Yeah. I think he's going to be like maybe the fifth or sixth option when they're really looking at how they want to attack a defense. I mean, gosh, even five or six seems high because uh, I don't know if you the Javante Williams press conference. God, was it last Thursday? They talked about how much they're planning on using the uh, running backs in the past game as well. So yeah. you could be talking about eight or nine. Um, right. yeah, you got really... Top four receivers, top two running backs. Dulcich. Dulcich. So uh, he could be number eight. I... Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's a good problem to have when you've yeah. got that many kind of weapons where some teams would be just jumping at the bit to, to have a tight end like Albert O and he could be one of the big trade pieces. The Broncos are looking at where they can maybe sell high. A, a team needs a tight end that they use a tight end more and would mm-hmm. value him a lot more. I, I don't know. I, like I said, it, it's good to have a lot of weapons in case anybody goes down. You don't miss a beat. I, I'm, I'm excited to see him on the field though. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about the press conferences, uh, we had Nathaniel Hackett take the podium today uh, for a press conference talking after OTAs. It was short OTAs today, but uh, he did leave some nuggets for us and we have a couple questions now coming in about this and i think this is probably the most interesting bit uh, what are the ramifications of what he said here um chase wellner coming in saying it looks like baron browning is moving full-time to outside linebacker also we had uh jay kozad saying hackett said they're keeping browning on edge they're keeping him there for training uh right now doesn't mean he's going to stay there full time but it does sound like that's the the likelihood of it uh sounded like they liked him there watching his tape. They like a lot of his transferable traits uh, to that edge spot. I don't know if you recall, Carl, Eric and I had a lot of uh, back and forth last year about uh, Browning's best fit. I thought he could be linebacker, but maybe more valuable at edge. I mean, you think uh, people are excited about Nick Benito at edge this year. Well, Baron Browning is bigger, faster, stronger, longer. I mean, just everything there. I don't think he's as twitchy. I don't think he's as bendy as Benito, which counts for a lot uh, as an edge rusher. Absolutely. Don't get, don't get it twisted there, but uh, Baron Browning sticking at edge. Uh, what do you think about this? It does sound like this is going to happen. Uh, I didn't believe it at first, but it does sound like it's going to happen. I, I like it. We yeah. know there, there's a really good chance that this defense is going to not value the off ball linebacker hardly at all. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that they're not, that they don't have some value to this defense, but I think the Broncos are looking at, Hey, we have jewel back. We've got Singleton. We, we've got a few other guys that we kind of like at this position. We feel like we've got enough. Now, Edge, we've got a lot of question marks. We've got our top two guys coming off of injuries. I mean, Randy Gregory still hasn't even practiced with the team yet. You got Jonathan Cooper that just had another surgery as well. Um, all the rest of your guys are pretty big question marks. You, you got Nick Bonito, who's your second round pick, but he's more of a situational guy. 
And, and so I think you're looking at this going, he could really be our number three edge player and a guy that we could feel halfway comfortable if one of our top guys goes down with injury. I think he could develop to become at least a serviceable starter for the Broncos if needed be. But again, as a number three guy, you still like him there as more valuable compared to an off-ball linebacker where he might only play 60% of the snaps because, again, they, they're going to be playing a lot of dime position. So uh, I, I do. I like this transition, and I think the NFL has shown they value edge rushers way more than they do off-ball linebackers. You just look at contracts. This is where his value should be at. And it, for Baron Browning, I think he should be happy about this. You know, if, yeah. if he proves this year that he can become a starter quality guy, well, you move on from Chubb. And then he's got himself a starter position at one of the most valuable positions in all of the NFL. Yeah. He should be really happy. Yeah. And uh, for Browning, um, I thought he looked pretty well there in his limited reps there for Ohio state. Also thought he flashed there a lot at the senior bowl at the edge position. So excited to see what he can do. And football is changing a little bit right now. We're kind of seeing it in front of us right now. And at some point we'll probably have a uh, Cody Alexander on one of these shows. I've reached out to him and he said he'd be interested in coming and talking a little bit of defensive scheme and the evolution of defenses right now uh, in today's NFL. But we're kind of entering an era of what I would like to call and I won't I haven't coined this, but uh, positionless football where guys are playing a lot of different roles. You know, Kyle Pitts is an app, an option. Uh, is he a X receiver? Is he a tight end? Is he a big slot? Yes. The answer is yes. Uh, so you need defensive players who can balance that out and do a lot of different things as well. And Baron Browning, um, what he can do from the, the mug position kind of lining up over an a gap as a blitzer or the edge spot, um, different looks you can do with simulated pressures. there, dropping into coverage, coming down twists, stunts spies. I mean, you want your defensive guys to be able to do a lot of different things. So that way you can disguise what you're doing and uh, have very versatile defense and not also to give away what you're doing defensively based on the personnel on the field. So Browning moving to edge full-time is still a little bit surprising to me, given the, it's not like the Broncos have, you know, a, a known uh, blossoming superstar at the linebacker position that Baron Browning is getting moved off that spot because of that. Maybe they do Jonas Griffith. We'll see what happens this year. Mm -hmm. Jonas Griffith, very small sample size, but uh, it is surprising, but also I'm excited to see what it does. And uh, it definitely plays itself into this defense, especially on third down being exotic and being attack oriented. So excited to see that. Um, the next question that comes back, we'll get to a few uh, comments here first, um, but a uh, few further questions based on that comment from uh, Nathaniel Hackett about Baron Browning. Um, Michael coming in here saying the Colorado Avalanche start their quest tonight for the Stanley Cup in the Western Conference Finals against the Oilers, uh, Edmonton Oilers. One of the, did it, how much of a hockey guy are you, Carl? Are you, I, I, I'm a little. Okay. I, I was bigger in the 90s when the Avalanche were dominating everyone. Yeah. Then I kind of cooled off days. for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And the Forsberg. Yeah. And uh, Patrick Waugh. Yeah, th those were, were some great times. Yeah. Love that. But uh, no, I haven't watched as much until the last few years with the Avalanche. I haven't watched other teams a whole lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess my uh, question for you is, do the Oilers have the most championships ever of any of the NHL teams? They won like some crazy streak of them, like in the 80s or something. Am I wrong for thinking that? Like historically, the, they're one of the best teams. Would the Pittsburgh Penguins have more? God, I don't know. Somebody in the chat can get me, but either way, yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I guess you could say I'm a blues fan. I watched approximately 10 seconds of hockey this year. Um, but, uh, I'm happy for the avalanche and I'm yep. definitely cheering for all you guys to get that done and, and, uh, you know, let the good vibes roll in, uh, Denver. No doubt about that. 
Chris Jenkins coming in saying, evening, fellas, evening, Broncos family. Another day to the new era of the Broncos. Another day down to the new era of the Broncos. Uh, year of the horse. Is it really year of the horse? That'd be awesome. I don't know. Uh, Denver Broncos. That'd be pretty fly. cool, though. Yeah. Well, let's just say it is. Why not? Um, and uh, we also got a. Oh, here we got Juan saying, Nick, are you going to Seattle versus the Broncos? I am. So uh, don't come at me if the Broncos lose. I'm sorry. I have a bad streak going, but we're going to break that streak this year. So uh, let's get into it. Um, we got Jeff Noyes also come in saying, does Albert Okwebenam have the most experience in the tight end room? I think Tomlinson and Salbert are, have more years in the league, um, but uh, and also more games played because Albert Okwebenam has missed a lot of time with injuries. So uh, no, he's not the most experienced one, but it's a very green room. So, you know, how much of a difference does it actually make? I don't know. I think Tomlinson's probably the leader in the clubhouse as far as uh, veteran leadership, but we'll see. Yep. Albert Knopper's coming in saying, hello, y'all. Hope you're doing well. And uh, we got Chase Welner saying, would Baron hold up against the run better than Benito? I, this is, go ahead. I was going to say, I think so. You said it earlier. He's bigger. He is longer. That that ability to have that length to keep an offensive lineman off of you is is huge. I think yeah. he does well with handling leverage. We saw that as, as an off-ball linebacker. I thought he did well of being able to get onto a block or stay away from a block, be able to switch whichever way. He, he was pretty instinctual for a guy that kind of just moved into that position compared to in college. He was kind of all over the place. So I, I do. I think he would be better than Bonito against the run. It's why I think there's a really good chance he could end up being the number three edge rusher. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org register. If everybody stays healthy, just because, again, he has that better all-around game, or at least has the potential for a better all-around game this year. Yeah, and... Uh... Neither Benito or Baron Browning are going to be your prototypical uh, edge rushers as far as setting the edge. Uh, you're going to have more value from those guys in the from that edge alignment, whether they are coming or going. It's a numbers game kind of thing where their ability to crash in, and set an edge is more about the surprise of them coming downhill because the offensive lineman is going to have to process whether or not, you know, who's coming, who's twisting and stunting. If Benito vacates the line of scrimmage and drops back into a soft zone or kind of a spy uh, position, then that changes what the blocking assignment is going to be. So yeah. I don't think you're going to see either of these guys very often be put in a classic, you know, contain the edge, force it back inside position. Um, but they can do it sometimes. I, probably pretty close to me. Um, while Baron Browning, I think has more power in his game, a little bit more length and mass, as you mentioned, uh, you have less reps of him there. And there are some plays where Benito, He's not very good as a standing his ground kind of edge setter, but he's slippery. He can get off some blocks sometimes and make some plays in the yeah. run defense that I'm not sure Baron Browning has as much in his uh, tool belt right now. So interesting thing. Lloyd Cushenberry talked about that. Of This defense is introducing more stunts at this point in the offseason than any team that he's played against. He said, usually we're not seeing these kind of stunts coming at us until about week five of the season where teams are starting to get comfortable with what they're doing on defense. He said, but now, right now, Evero is really throwing it at him where they have to really figure out who's coming and who's going. So I, I do. I think that's going to be a huge part of this defense. They're going to work on that confusion side of things. I remember it was, the, I think it was the 2005 year for the Broncos where they were so good on defense. And <clears throat> I remember some of the players were talking. They said, we didn't have a whole lot of talent. We just kept everybody confused on what we were doing. And so they said, that's how we end up winning so often is we were just so confusing. 
And I think this defense can win a lot of ways that way as well. Yeah, and circling back on that one, uh, I think it was DJ Jones last week talked about it where he said that getting a lot of one-on-one opportunities to get after the quarterback. And that doesn't happen by static, you know, your four guys press the line of scrimmage in a 4-2-5 look. You have to have a lot of different twists and stunts going on there and a lot of different kind of looks up front where you are setting up guys to get one-on-ones. And that's something that uh, Brandon Staley and Raheem Morris have done phenomenal jobs with with Aaron Donald. I mean, Aaron Donald, the fact that he ever gets a single one-on-one is a hats <laughs> off to the schemers uh, and the defensive scheme because that is set up via different looks and confusion and twists and stunts up front. You yep. do have to be good enough on first and second down against the run to earn those, you know, twist and stunts where they get exotic because if it's third and one, if you are running twist and stunts, they, they're going to run it right at you. Uh, they're like, screw you. Where's that guy uh, doing the, uh, the stunt. All right, we're going to run it that gap. Um, so have to earn it with the first and second down, which we'll see how this defense looks this year and run defense on first and second down. They were not very good there last year, but uh, definitely going to be a lot of fun and very cool to hear Cushionberry say that as well. Going to be a lot of fun on defense this year. I'm not sure they will be, as good as they were last year. Um, but I think they're going to be more fun. I think you're going to see more defensive splash plays, whether it be turnovers or sacking the quarterback, which does add up, especially for a team that's not dreadful, embarrassing on offense. Like we've seen the last five years in Denver. Yeah, for sure. It's that's been part of the problem with the Fangio defense. And, and some of it's because they didn't have an offense to challenge another team to actually have to put up points, but that non-aggression, I mean, he, he just didn't like to blitz yep. and he didn't like to make adjustments. And so teams kind of just kept doing the same things over and over to him and, and finding ways to win that way. And, and yeah, you didn't force a lot of turnovers. He didn't get the sacks that you'd like to do the, the big splash sacks that you needed on those big yeah. third downs. And uh, he just kind of lived on the, the bend, but don't break. We're going to make yep. you kick field goals the entire game. And it still helped them to win some games for sure. I'm not trying to diss what Fangio did and, I mean, Fangio really has changed the face of the NFL when it comes to how defensive plays. But mm-hmm. but again, I, I'm hoping for a little bit more aggression in what they're going to do. And I think Evero is going to bring a lot of that from what they did with the Rams because they did. They like to be a lot more exotic. And a lot of that is going to depend on the health of the edge rusher specifically, because last year you can't really dictate things and be aggressive and force the or, uh, force the issue when you are playing such a dearth of talent at the edge rushing spot that the Broncos had last year. I mean, it just is what it is. Uh, they didn't have much premium resources at the edge position after Vaughn was traded and Chubb uh, was injured. And by God, did it show um, mm-hmm. one of the worst teams at rushing the quarterback last year uh, at all. So um, we have a update here from Roy coming in here saying update the abs tied at one with the Oilers. Let's go abs. Uh, you can hear me say that. I was holding my bite my tongue last week when they were playing the blues, but uh, um Although I will say seeing some of the blues fans stuff made me really embarrassed, even though I don't really claim them, but uh, happy to see that those people were shut up. Um, but uh, yeah, go avalanche here um, from Florida and go Broncos says Dale. Um, we have a uh, Jeff noise coming in saying only rookies to get significant playing time early will be the tight end and a returner. Do you agree with this from Jeff? Because I think there's another guy here that uh, has a very good chance to have significant playing time early. I think Bonita will still have plenty of playing time. Okay. I, yeah. I think he's, there's going to be such a rotation. Uh, I They want to keep Gregory. They want to keep Chubb, both of them healthy. Mm-hmm. So especially early in the season, you're going to be rotating guys like crazy. Um, I'm trying to... Awuzurike. <laughs> there we go. Um, I think he stands actually a decent chance to get on the field as well because the depth that defensive line is not that strong. 
And I think he's one of those guys, actually, he's got kind of that, he's got that man strength. Like it just, he, he looks like he's an older body than, than a guy that's entering the league at 22. And uh, so I, I think there's a good chance he could get 50% of the snaps or 40% of the snaps on defense. Um, I, I think this rookie class is actually going to be pretty active on game day for a lot of reasons, special teams. Uh, Mathis, I think, is another one that, depending on how they do the cornerback dime rotation, is a guy that could see the field. Uh, any others that stick out to you? I mean, you pretty much hit all the guys that I, th- well, yeah. I thought. Uh, I went through half the groups. Sense there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, I think you could. I think the guy that really sticks out to me is uh, Owuzurike, uh as a possible guy, because right now you don't know who the third interior defensive lineman is. He's versatile. He's good against the run. Uh, so he seems like there's an obvious path to the field for him. And with his body type and his length, he can play a gap and a half. He can play two gap where I don't think you're getting that from Jonathan Harris. I don't think you're getting that from, uh, oh gosh, um, the smaller guy that Scott really likes. Deshaun Williams uh, is another one. And we haven't seen anything from, from McTelvin regime yet other than rushing the passer. So uh, I think there's a good chance for a Wuzurike. Definitely going to have some Montreal Washington stuff here. Um, we'll be excited to see what he can do this season. But uh, yeah, no, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, we have a, Super coming in here from Andrew Baker, helping us inch closer to our star goal for the month. Today's the last day, guys. So if you help us, uh, maybe we can get there saying uh, from Andrew Baker. Uh, Sup, fam. There's a lot of ranking analysis of the AFC West, but one edge should be hunger. Russ is obsessed to win, and that mentality should be hard to beat. Hashtag MHH for life. Russell Wilson is obsessed uh, with winning, but uh, and I think that's obviously you want that. But I think Teddy Bridgewater was obsessed with winning. I think Drew Locke was obsessed with winning. Same with Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert. Um, So when you're at that level, I guess the little degrees can make a difference. Um, But I don't know if he's that much more competitive and have a mentality edge over any of the other quarterbacks because they're all pretty great, pretty damn good quarterbacks. Right. Well, I think of like Andy Reid, even everywhere he's gone, that guy wins. Yeah. It doesn't seem to matter much what the team is or he just finds ways to make that team successful. And, and so even though they lost Tyree kill, lost some other players, I, I still expect him to, to find ways to go out there and win some games yep. and, and, and Mahomes. I mean, yeah, he's been out there winning games like crazy. So they're, they're going to be right there. Herbert. I'm sure he's hearing some of the whispers a little bit of like, everybody's expecting them to be good. If they're not, Herbert's going to have some heat on him after this season. So I'm sure he's kind of feeling he's got to go out there and do something. And even Brandon Staley, like if you missed the playoffs this year, are they sitting there saying, hey, are you the guy to carry us? We've got you your quarterback. We've got you all these other things. Are you the guy that's really going to lead us to success? So uh, I think there's there's going to be a lot of hunger in the AFC West. And I think even just the moves every team has made. I mean, even the, the Raiders going and getting Adams to, to add to that group, trading away a first and second round pick. Everybody's showing, like, we expect to win this year. Yeah. And we expect to, be, to do well. <laughs> like, I think pretty much any other division, there's a good chance – you're winning that division if you're one of these four teams. Yeah. Other yeah. than AFC East, I guess Buffalo shouldn't say that. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> um, we have a couple comments coming in here that are kind of all together. Uh, Chase Wellner coming in saying Evro is going to be aggressive, and I love it. Um, we also have a uh, one coming in from Jake Kozad saying I won't miss Fangio's defense anytime soon. And also we have Jeff also saying I never understood dropping Vaughn into coverage. Um, so let's uh, get this one first. Uh, Evero being aggressive this year. I think he's going to be more aggressive, but some of that is predicated on the offense being at all a threat. 
um, and opposing deep offenses feeling like they have to push the envelope. I mean, the Bengals is a classic case example last year where that team pretty much went uh, water boy football against the Broncos offense, where they're pretty much kneeling it and punting it because they said that offense isn't going to do bleep. And uh, guess what? They bet right. Um, so take out the defense and a pretty easy win there for the, uh, the, the Bengals in that one. I guess not easy, but uh, well, well in hand. Um, the next one is uh, I won't uh, Jay saying I won't know this one. I can't. I won't miss Fangio's defense anytime soon. It's going to be a very similar defense. Um, you listen to every single defensive player talk. It's scheme-wise. It's very similar. You might see a little bit more simulated pressures up front, but that goes in hand with being better, stopping the run on first and second down, uh, getting more third and longs, and actually playing with the lead, all things that were outside of the control of the scheme last year. You have and to remember, like half the teams in the NFL right now are trying to run something similar to what Fangio likes to run. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's at least parts of what he brings to the table. So as much as we don't like Fangio, the head coach, Fangio, the defensive coordinator, is still a pretty good mastermind in the NFL. I mean, he helped the Bears with Trubisky at quarterback almost make the AFC or the NFC championship. You know, they were a field goal away from their kicker missing what was like a 40 yard field goal or something like that, 42 yards. And so as much like, again, I, I Fangio need to be gone. He's not a great head coach. That is for sure. But defensively, the guy still knew what he was doing. He still held the Chiefs to some of their lowest point totals of the last three years. Yeah, You don't do that by accident. Uh, yeah. and, and like I said, even they lost a lot of players to injury. And he's still finding ways to make them at least halfway competent. And yeah. uh, so I, I, I still appreciate Fangio for that. And then yeah. this of Vaughn dropping into coverage. I agree. Maybe there's times where you do it a little too often, but at the same time, this is meant to confuse the defense. I know his best work is coming downhill. It's kind of like I, I had a conversation with somebody with about Micah Parsons earlier of he's, you know, yes, they had him as an off ball linebacker, but he's better coming as an edge. Like you want him going downhill as much as possible, but every once in a while, it's nice to drop them back and just fill in a gap where you surprise a quarterback. Think about the, the 2015, season in the AFC championship. Von Miller gets an interception because he dropped back in coverage. You know, when you expect that guy's always going to be coming after the quarterback and he has that time where he drops back, it just, it surprises everybody. So that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to confuse a quarterback just to give him that half second delay or possibly force him into a bad throw. That's what you're trying to do there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, just talking about Jeff noise, never understood dropping Von into coverage. Um, you're going to see the edge rushers drop into coverage probably a good bit in this scheme. And uh, we had last year, I the data here, this is uh, regular season uh, data, but uh, in Von Miller's career in Denver, uh, he played 37 games with under Vic Fangio, played 37 games and dropped into coverage 61 times. So about two per game. Um, and then uh, you had an massive growth uh, for what he did with the Rams as far as dropping into coverage, dropping into coverage 50 times in just eight games. So mm-hmm. that's a uh, 6.25 per game. So four times as much uh, dropping into coverage rate wise uh, than what we saw from uh, Von Miller with Vic Fangio. So some of that is probably because you have Aaron Donald in the middle and you can afford to drop Von into coverage more than him being your pure alpha, which Von was not for the Rams because Aaron Donald's probably the best player in football. Uh, but again, you're going to see more of that this year. And uh, people were like, Oh, finally uh, somebody who knows how to use Von Miller, even though he was dropping into coverage four times as much rate wise as he was in Denver. So, um, more about the Jimmys and Joes than the X's and O's when it comes down to that, in my opinion. 
Um, we have a few more people coming in here saying, uh, let me see. We got, uh, Andrew Hillhouse Hillhouse saying any news on Chris Allen, uh, any news on Chris Allen. I, I've heard the coaches talk about him once and they said that they're impressed with the kid and think that he could be something moving forward. I think unfortunately he might be a part of the numbers game when it comes to that edge position Yep, and I, maybe be on the practice squad this year, move up the next year. And you just yeah. kind of hope he turns into something. Yep. That's probably, uh, probably what happens. Probably realistic there. Um, we also have diamond Rattler coming in a little bit late, but that's okay. Diamond Rattler with a new picture <laughs> over on Facebook uh, saying, boom, let's go. Good to see a diamond Rattler. We also got boogeyman coming in saying, uh, how are you guys doing tonight? Go Broncos. I'm doing pretty well. I'm a little yeah. tired, um, but, uh, doing great. And, uh, Zebulon coming in here saying, what is simulated pressure like blitzing? It's kind of like blitzing. Um, I have a couple good coaching clinics if you're interested in that. Um, but it's essentially, and this isn't new. It's kind of somewhat of the iteration of the zone blitzing uh, scheme. Uh, Dick LeBeau did a lot with it. Uh, the Broncos did a lot with it when they won Super Bowl 32 and 33. Um, but it's putting a bunch of guys on. The, you don't want to have your static same four guys. You want to be able to get, okay, take a step back. You want to be able to get pressure with four guys rather than having to blitz. But if you run the same four guys lined up, you know, heads up over the offensive lineman every time opposing offenses are going to be able eventually, especially smart quarterbacks, pick you apart. So simulated pressure is where you have multiple guys on the line of scrimmage. Let's say you have your four defensive linemen lined up and then you have two linebackers over each a gap as mugs. Who's coming and who's going? You could send five. You could send three, but it's the ability to pick and choose who's coming and going with different uh, twists and stunts incorporated as well, or delayed blitzes. I mean, don't let's not sleep on Quan Williams. Uh, one of the best Quan uh, Williams, right? Quan Williams, one yep. of the best uh, blitzing slot cornerbacks in football. So um, it's the ability to get pressure with four while always not sending the same four guys. And it creates confusion. It makes it that the def- offense has to process more information and uh, it just gives you a lot more versatility up front of who can come and go. And that's another reason, you know, talking about Von Miller and coverage, this goes hand in hand. Von Miller dropping into coverage has a lot to do with simulated pressures. Yeah, no, you're exactly right on that. And and that's the nice thing is the Broncos have a nice group of hybrid players to make that a, a big possibility. You know, Bonito, he showed he could drop back into coverage. He could be a, a spy on a quarterback if you needed him to do that. Um, you know, even I can even see Draymond Jones every once in a while dropping back. I think he's got enough athleticism to drop back into a zone spot if you needed him to. And Josie Jewell, I think he does pretty good coming downhill if you need him to on an A-gap blitz. Not very often, but he can still get there. He's smart enough to do that. And, yeah, you got enough of these edge rushers. How many of them are going to stick out there? How many of them can drop back into coverage? It it just works well for the Broncos on those third-down situations. You're right. you got to get the third long. That's that's the money time for the defense. And the nice thing is I feel like the Broncos are going to be a lot more successful this year on those third down situations compared to last year where they'd get the third and long and then the quarterback would have all day to throw back there yeah. and then they'd pick up the first down. So it just was frustrating to watch last year. Luckily for Denver. Um, my biggest concern with this team getting to those third and longs this year is uh, the quality of the run defense. I know they brought in DJ Jones, who I'm excited about. That should be a plus for that team, but he's not the biggest lengthiest person playing across multiple gaps. In my opinion, from what I've watched from them, they had a, DeForest Buckner, they had Nick Bosa, they've had uh, Eric Armstead, all these other guys who were kind of able to do more 
uh, gap and a half two gapping because of length, which DJ Jones just does not possess. Um, you have questions about Draymond Jones ability to do that as well. And then the edge rushers, Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory, Randy Gregory, not the best run defender and then the linebackers. So, um, Broncos run defense right now is questionable. You'd rather have be good against the pass than the run, but you have to be able to, you know, eat your vegetables on first and second down against the run to get the dessert, which is third and long. Uh, with all that said though, the Broncos schedule sets up pretty nicely as it looks right now where they're not going to be playing a lot of running juggernaut teams. Nobody in the AFC West. I really respect their run game uh, over their past game. And uh, the only teams right now come to mind for me is like, Oh, want to watch out for the run game in that one are the uh, Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. They kind of get it, get it at it in different ways. Um, but it's not like the God, the games that come to mind from last year, like the Eagles game last year or the, uh, the Ravens game last the year Browns. where the, Broncos and the Browns. Good call. Yep. Where the Broncos were just so outmatched personnel wise, uh, scheme wise when it came to stopping the run. And when it's third and one consistently teams work on the full playbook. Uh, that's when you can get in trouble. For sure. And we do have an update on the abs Oilers game. It's two to one abs. So thank you, Roy, for that update. Anybody that's not getting the chance to watch the game right now. There you go. Uh, would love to see them. Yeah. Make that Stanley cup finals. And possibly bring home the the Stanley Cup, man. That I think what was it? Two thousand one was the last time they won it. Something God, like that. no idea. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while for sure. Um, you know that, that early ninety seven, ninety eight, two thousand, two thousand one with Avs and the and the Broncos. Oh, that was that was heaven in Denver, man. That yeah. was such a great time. Parades every year. But uh, we got Steve uh, Lazuski coming in saying, "Let's ride." Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm so excited. What I think we're under 100 days now till the NFL season kicks off, or right at 100 days, something like that. So we're we're starting that countdown. Yep, we're uh, I think it is 100 days, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, we have exactly 100 days, says Scott. So that's awesome. And Steve says, "Let's ride." Um, with that, guys, I think we're gonna ride on out of here. Um, so if you guys have any uh, questions, to get on here. We're gonna start wrapping it up here really soon. Um, John coming in saying, uh, "Would love to see some exotic looks. Use Brownie to drop out into coverage and send Stearns or Kawan. Gregory will be a huge force. You're gonna see a lot of twists and stunts. You're gonna see a lot of. This is an example of what a simulated pressure is. And again, I have a it's a coaching clinic from Kirby Smart, who if anybody knows defensive football right now, you want to listen to talk. Kirby Smart is way up there. Um, so it's a it's a good one. Um, but uh, it will be a lot of fun. Gregory not only will be a huge force, he has to be a huge force. Um, Broncos need him and Chubb to step up this season. And honest to God, the difference between a good Chubb and Gregory has this defense from, you know, top seven to possibly bottom 15. Um, I think it's that. And that's just goes to show how much vol uh, volatility there is in that edge rushing room, how volatile it is. And uh, just the value of the edge rushers in general. Uh, those are the guys that are going to have to stir the drink up front. You, some of it you can get away with the simulated pressures, but sometimes you just need some winners up front as well. You can't scheme up everything. You need guys to win their matchups. And uh, Gregory and Chubb and hopefully Draymond uh, can do that at, for the Broncos in the pass rush department. Right. The, other than quarterback, I, I would say edge rushers are the ones that can affect a game the most. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you saw that Von Miller strip sack in the Super Bowl. That yeah. changed everything. I mean, the, the whole way that the, the Panthers had to play the Broncos after that, especially the Broncos kicked a field goal, I think, their first drive. So it's up 10-0. You got a double double score lead. That's huge. And it just the Broncos could pin their ears back, and the, the Panthers hadn't had a team do that to them in a long time that season. So, yeah, if you can get that early edge rush pressure, 
get that turnover, get that big sack that gets them off the field, doesn't give them that, that opportunity to, to march down the field to Patrick Mahomes or have the big play. Oh, my goodness. It, it just changes everything. Yeah. Yes, it certainly does. Uh, we have uh, Jay coming in and saying Abs winning a couple of <coughs> – excuse me. Elevate the Broncos. Hopefully I didn't just jinx them there and jinx them there. Um, my body rejecting that. So, <coughs> excuse well, me. Good over Because you think about like the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup at the same time as the Tampa Bay Bucks won the Super Bowl. So there's kind of that little bit of, okay, we got to up our game because now this team's getting the most recognition in town. They're the best team in Denver if they go ahead and win that, that Stanley Cup. So, yeah, I, I do. I think teams do feed off each other. I think it is kind of that energy of just you can feel it in the entire city after a team wins a championship and you just you want to keep that going. You want to be that next group that gets to to have that big parade. Yeah, absolutely. And we got Brad D coming and saying, thanks, gentlemen. Michael coming in saying, great show tonight, guys. Uh, Nick and Carl, I'm building the Broncos. Let's ride and go Broncos. We got sunny days with the hearts coming in. Jay saying, go abs. Good show, y'all. Thanks. Uh, Michael Ronquillo coming back in with the hearts. And Jeff was referring to that uh, strip sack, I believe, earlier. Von Miller had a heck of a Super Bowl run there in that uh, 2015 season. So, uh, man, think back on that one fondly. And, uh, heck, maybe I'll go back and uh, watch some of those games tonight, uh, some of the you know the highlights of uh, that playoff run, because improbable is a word, and maybe even divine intervention uh, for some of those games. But uh, they can't take away that hardware, so it's pretty great. And, uh, Colin, correct here, we could use a good chub. I think that goes for a lot of people could use a good chub. Um, so <laughs> on that note, we're going to get on out of here. What well, last one, actually, uh, John coming in say, saying, uh, do you guys see any trades from the Broncos before the season starts? Definitely possible there. You have definitely a crowded room on the uh, interior offensive line. You have a few guys in the defense, especially the edge rusher spot where you might see some moves. And with the Broncos only having, what is it? Five picks in the 2023 draft right now, uh, being able to deal a little bit from the surplus that you have there to even get, you know, one fifth round pick next year can make a world of difference as far as darts, ammo, and uh, some of that cap calculations that's going to start to matter after you assume, assuming you pay Russell Wilson a big contract next year. For sure. Yeah. There's a couple positions. The Broncos are really deep and definitely could make a move. I mean, we saw it last year. Mm -hmm. uh, who was the wide receiver that they traded last year? Uh, Trinity Benson. Yes. To, to the Lions got themselves, I think, a fifth round pick for a sixth round pick. I could see that again for the Broncos, that wide receiver room, pretty darn deep. Uh, I think they were even talking about Fulgrim today at one point, mm -hmm. just how good he's looking out there for him. I could see that being a possibility of a team has a couple wide receivers go down. Boom. At the edge position has as many question marks as you have. It is a position that you have a lot of depth. Like there's a lot of guys that have played quite a few steps uh, like Malik Reed. He could be a guy that maybe the Broncos say, Hey, we, we don't need you, but a team's willing to trade that sixth, seventh round pick for him. Um, tight end room. We were talking about it earlier. Albert O. Maybe you really love Dulcich and you just say, we got to get this guy on the field. We want him to start. And somebody's looking for that receiving tight end. Boom. Get yourself a pick. I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of options for the Broncos if they can stay healthy. That's always going to be the big question mark. You, you lose a couple guys and it doesn't take long to start looking pretty thin. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm starting to feel like I'm looking pretty thin, so I need to get on out here and cook dinner. So we appreciate you guys. Um, also, John coming in saying, great show. Let's ride. We appreciate you, John. And EJ also saying, uh, great show, Nick and Carl. Go Broncos and abs. And Diamond Rattler coming in over on Diamond Jade, actually, over on Twitch saying boom as well. Diamond coming in across multiple uh, 
social media avenue. So we appreciate you, Diamond. Hopefully you're doing well. Uh, make sure you guys are following Carl and I Twitter on Twitter. Carl is at Carl Dumbler MHH, and I'm at Nick Kendall MHH. Also follow us at BTB Football Pod as well as at Mile High Huddle. Um, make sure you guys are checking out the show. Our, our obviously checking out the show, but checking out our gear page over at huddleuppod.com. We're 100 days away from the season kicking off, so make sure you have your wardrobe and all your swag uh, from the Broncos and Mile High Huddle over on uh, huddleuppod.com. Support us, support the show. We got the building the Broncos hats, we got all the shirts, got the coffee mugs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, make sure you guys are doing that. Also follow us on facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle as well as facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. And please, please, please. Not everybody's obviously in a position to contribute and support the show financially. That's fine. But if you haven't done so yet, make sure you are subscribed to the show on YouTube. You like this, uh, the show specifically and share it on your socials, share it on your Facebook, share it on your Twitter, share it on your Instagram. That does us a heck of a lot of good. And uh, we don't want to, we love this community, but we don't want anybody to miss out on what this season is going to be because we're finally sailing in a, the right direction. <laughs> feels like in a lot for the first time in a long time in Broncos country. So, you know, it's the old explorers, right. Used to navigate by the stars. It's been a cloudy five years, no direction. We're just kind of <laughs> hoping for the best clouds have parted. We have some stars some constellations to follow here. So uh, hopefully you guys will uh, share our show and uh, we can, just enjoy it with a bigger and better community. So we appreciate you guys. Um, what's the rest of your night looking like, Carl? Well, I've got a three-mile run ahead of me. Haven't got that in today. And the kids are finally getting ready to, to head off to bed. And I can finally get a little time to go get some exercise in. I need to let off a little. I've been a little pent up today on okay. some different things going on. So I just I need to go for a run. Feels good. All what right. about you, well, bud? I'm going to cook dinner. Uh, I'm going to do a little cleaning and uh, get ready for, I guess... <laughs> unpack and get everything ready from the trip we just did out in the peninsula where we got soaked and muddy so a lot of uh cleaning up from the good times which is what it is that's that that's the cost yep. so uh we appreciate you guys everyone have a hopefully had a great memorial day weekend we will see you live on scott's channel tomorrow morning and uh you'll see luke and i tomorrow night on mile high insiders for the first time on wednesday night uh we appreciate you guys choose kindness choose compassion go broncos You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.